Welcome to the Breaking Atoms podcast, where we break things down to the very last compound. My name is Chris Mitchell, aka The Actual Factual. Before I go any further, I just want to hail up my co-host Sumit, who's out and about taking care of family business, so I'll be riding solo today. Our special guest for this episode is none other than Panic from The Mole Men. The Moment are a production team and a record label from Chicago, Illinois. Panic, with Memo and PNS, who are his production partners, they're what I would call underground luminaries. And I only pull out certain words for certain people, so yes, they are underground luminaries, very well respected on a worldwide level. Panic and the Moment crew as a whole, they've worked with the absolute best in Chicago hip-hop. That includes Juice... All Natural, Rhymefest, Varkill, and many more. They've also produced tracks for Cali Agents, that's Rasco and Planet Asia, Aesop Rock, Cool G Rap, Slug, and of course, MF Doom. Rest in peace. I spoke to Panic about his early production career, working closely with Varkill, upcoming projects, and his city's drill scene. This is like a Chicago history lesson right here. So ladies and gentlemen, Boys and girls, children of all ages, panic, moment, breaking atoms podcast. Check it out. Panic, welcome to the Breaking Atoms podcast. How are you today? Great, man. Great, great. Thank you for thank you for taking the time um, to to join me. I know that twenty twenty has been a year of COVID and just general madness, but yeah. I appreciate you. I appreciate you just you know spending your evening with me. How has um. How has the year been for you generally, like dealing with COVID, adjusting, maybe having to readjust and reorganize life to some degree? You know, um, I've actually turned it into something positive. It's it's become something positive for me, actually. So I I lost uh, I lost some good weight. Um, I got healthier and I've been working. I've been really focused on the music. You know, it gives you a lot of time to really it gives you a lot of free time. So the best the best thing for me to do is just focus on, on my business and the music, you know? So I did, I did a lot of that. And definitely. Okay. I see panic on the beat.com. You know, you're doing, doing big business there, you know, the merchandise flying out the door. Yeah. It gives me an, it gave me a lot of a time and an opportunity to focus on the website, to focus on doing videos, you know, and, and to you for the YouTube and Instagram, just to really focus on, on the music and to present it to people, you know, and the yeah, yeah. merchandise and stuff like that. No, I got you. I got you. So what did you have, did you have some time to kind of just go through inventory and just find out, okay, well, I've got this, I can, you know, present new ideas to the people. I see you. I think you're doing some represses as well. Am I, am I right in saying that? Yeah. It gave me time to like uh, dig up the old, uh, the old files to get the old CDs out because a lot of people are very interested in them and, and it gave me time to do a, to learn a little bit about video and designing because um, I didn't really know much about that, but um, as to, it, it gave me an opportunity to learn a lot of things and to put in some time to, you know, to get the stuff going. I, I hear you. I hear you. So let's, let's take it back to the beginning. When was the moment you decided, okay, I want to be a producer. Was it a certain time? Was it a song? Describe the story for me. 
Well, I think it starts with uh, with music. I, ever since I was a child, uh, I've been around music. My my parents, my brothers and sisters and stuff like that, uh, just listen to music. So that just was always in my ear. Um, in the in the early eighties, because I'm I'm a little old, uh, uh, pop music was on, like uh, you know Michael Jackson, and and, it, and that's when hip hop really started started coming about with like Run DMC and Curtis Blow. And, Grandmaster Flash and stuff like that. So I started listening to them. And uh, Run DMC was the first group to really got me into, like, to really listen to rap. And honestly, as the days, months, and years went by, I just got deeper into it. So probably, like, around the late 80s, early 90s, um, I started buying records and DJing and stuff like that. And and from buying records to DJing, it just... I met some people with samplers and NPCs and stuff like that. And, and I just started touching the pads and it just got deeper and deeper. So yeah, as time went by, it just got deeper. Um, we started doing mixtapes after the mixtapes, we pressed vinyl. And after the vinyl, we start, you know, vinyl singles and we start doing EPs and then it became albums and stuff like that. So that's pretty much as years went by. That's how the transition was just moving along. You know? Yeah. I got you. I got you. So, you know, can you tell me something, something about your first beats? Like, what were what were some of the records you sampled? Uh, well, like I said, uh, when I really got into production was around the time that James Brown and uh, and a lot of jazz was being used. You know, so th- those were the first type of records that I would I would check out. The cool thing about back in the days when, like, you know, the, the what they say the golden era of hip hop is. Uh, you would have to listen to a jazz record. You know, jazz records are like 12 minutes, 15 minutes long. And you get that a second or two that's perfect. And that's pretty much what I was doing at that point. I would listen to that whole jazz record and find that, you know, that little one, two second part and boom. You know? Yeah. No, I, I I hear you. I hear you. I'm not, I'm not a producer. I'm an MC. But something that always fascinates me about producers is just that having that air. So, you know, you can hear a record and think, you know what, I can sample that. You might play that same thing for me and I'm like, well, you know, it sounds good, but I can't hear it the way producers hear it. And I, I guess it's maybe similar to how producers hear when MCs rap. Like, how do you do that? Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, Varkil, yeah. you know, one of the best rappers on planet Earth. So I hear him rap and I'm just like, how on earth do you come up with this stuff? Um, yeah. But So I, I, I can imagine it's the same, same for producers. Tell me a bit about your production setup, you know, what you're using currently, how it's evolved over the years, any changes and, and, and differences? Well, I'll be honest, when I first started, it was turntables and pause mixing. And then after that, I didn't own a sampler for for years. I would have friends in moment that would let me borrow their samplers and I would pretty much okay. So maybe it got to the point where I worked at Gramophone Records in Chicago, which is a pretty well-known record store here. Um, mainly for house, but it, it was, it had everything that was underground techno, acid jazz and hip hop and stuff like that. So when I got there, I, st- I started working there and I saved my money and I got my MPC 2000 Excel, which that's the one where I pretty much made a lot of stuff that people know me for. Okay. Um, yeah. So the, the Excel was my, you know, I messed around with the SP 1200, the MPC, but the Excel, the MPC 2000 Excel was, was the one that really me and you know, we, we got together really good. Gotcha. Gotcha. How much, how much did the MPC cost back then? I think it ended up being like six, $700. Oof. Yeah. yeah. Oof. Okay. I'm going to tell you a story about how I heard about the moment. 
So it was like 2007. Mm. I was in between jobs and I was doing something that I don't normally do. And it was naughty. I was um, downloading music illegally. Okay. Now, I don't do it normally. Like I buy CDs. I just bought some from you the other day. Yeah. And um, I remember being on a forum and I saw Lord Finesse, The Awakening. And I saw Varkil, Worst Fears Confirmed. I had no idea who he is. I had no idea who Moment were. Um, I just saw f- a song featuring Royce the Five Nine. So I'm like, oh snap, I gotta hear this. But something always attracted me about your name. I just thought it was really cool. And it reminded me of, I, I can't remember what they were called, but the, um, if you've ever seen Demolition Man, there were a group of people that just lived under the ground. Yeah. And they were rebelling against the system. And that's kind of what your music represented to me. Tell me about who came up with the name Moment and roundabout. When, 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 was the, when, was the, um, when was the idea put into motion that, you know what, we're going to call ourselves the Moment and the meaning behind it too? Yeah. Well, probably like around 90, 91, I was in high school and I, and I had a couple of friends that became Moment. That, that, that's how uh, uh, we started it. Uh, one of my friends was McMassacre and the other one was Juan, rest in peace. Um, then we, I went to go meet Vakil on the South side of Chicago and he, you know, he, he's a big comic book head and stuff like that. So, um, he's the one that came up with the name. He, he came up with my name too. Okay. Yeah. Wow. All right. So he's not only one of the best rappers on earth. He's a, he's a, a really creative name giver. He's just a real, he's just, he has an imagination and, and that's why it comes out in his lyrics. You know, he just has yeah. an imagination. No, definitely. So do you think the name Moment, and when you think about projects like Buried, um, Buried Under the Ground or Buried Alive and those types of titles, do you think the name Moment pigeonholed you in any way that you're just underground and this is where you reside? Well, you know, um, Maybe I could have, maybe I thought about that during the time, but um, at this point it doesn't matter, you know, uh, because we put uh, we put so much time into the label, into the name and stuff like that. So it's just now I think just people know what they're getting when. So basically, we I'm comfortable and I and I love what we do and the people that follow us. Yes, so good to hear. It works. It works out, you know. But yeah, you could th- you could think about it. But they they do a pigeonhole you. But also too, one thing that I notice if you try to do too many things, or if you do something that's not you, then it, it, that that could kind of damage you as well. So I think I think with the name moment and stuff like that, it just keeps this focus. So when people when people are searching for something, they kind of know what moment means, you know. So they know what they're getting when they're when they yeah. Get- no, I I agree. And look, you know, here I am in London, you know, still. Still repping the moment. I do need a t-shirt and a hoodie at some point. So let me take a, a mental note of that. Um, Memo, PNS. Yes. yes. Your production partners in the moment. Um, what would you say are the key differences between yourself, Memo, and PNS? Like, what are your individual strengths and what do you bring to the table? Well, with let's say with PNS, he's you know he's just to me he's kind of like a genius in a lot of ways. He's He's like the, the abstract guy, would you would say maybe, but he comes up with such he comes up with such good ideas when it comes to like you know just concepts of songs and beats. Like he's 
he's he's pretty he's he's pretty cool when it comes with when 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 he comes up with the songs and the beats and stuff like that. He's just a he's a he's abstract in the way he thinks, and sometimes people might not understand it. But the but the end result, the end result comes out pretty dope. I mean he he kind of will put your quarter up, and uh, I mean that's like a that's like a genius idea to me. And uh, he was really adamant early about working with MF Doom when nobody really was working with MF Doom at that point. And he, you know, he did his songs with MF Doom. So, you know, he comes up with a lot of cool stuff. Um, with Memo, it's like, you know, honestly, he didn't know much about breaks, like drum breaks and stuff like that, and, and about the samples and stuff like that. The way I, I'm, I'm really deep into sampling and record collecting and stuff like that. And uh, with Memo, he didn't know. He would just go buy records. So with him, he's just, he's a creative guy and assessed it. He would make some magical things out of like records that I would never think of. You know what I mean? He's just really creative with the way he comes up. He makes something out of nothing, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's pretty, pretty special. Memo, he just has a way. I think it's coincidence. I was listening to um, The Unlikely Hero. And I was listening to Worst Fears Confirmed once again. And I just think Memo has this a really unique way of just setting an album off. You know, when you think of Fanfare and the title track for Worst Fears Confirmed, and it's just like, it's, it's what I love about all three of you is that when I go back and I can hear those slight differences. So you talk about PNS, you know, you know, being really abstract and doing the MF Doom song, but you seem to come together really well. Um, you remind me of the beat miners. Yeah. Well, you know, Evil D can go off and make something. Mr. Walt can go off and make, make something. You can come back together and it all just fits seamlessly. But with that said, what is your favorite moment produced song that you did not produce? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, wow. The question of the day. Yeah, I mean, you think about with PNS, it's not really a song with him. It's like he did like a 12-bit soul, which is a, an instrumental project, but it's a double CD at that. And he just has all his SP-1200 beats on there. And to me, I don't know, you just get a certain vibe out of that that I really like, you know? Um, just a beautiful sound of the SP-1200 and then PNS just using these, these records. And then the way he just makes the beats, he just makes them in his own unique way. And uh, to me, that was pretty special um where like memo he did like the guns are still hot remix which a lot of people love and stuff like that i do too i just hear the way memo does beat sometimes and i'm i just he has his own little little way he approaches things and and i I really like that so i wouldn't say like a beat but i just i just admire both of the guys the way they do their their beats no, I hear you. I hear you. But you, you just mentioned the uh, the instrumental projects. And uh, I think one thing you guys don't get enough credit for is how how many instrumental albums you've released over the years. And I know instrumental music is now its own genre, per se. But yourself, I think you've put out maybe 17, 18 yeah. instrumental albums. And like you say, you know, Memo's done double albums and so forth. In your opinion, what makes a good instrumental album? I just keep it basic. Just the beats have to be really good, you know? Yeah. And then the other thing is, um, I think what also makes them, if the person just expresses themselves a little bit into the music and to the, 
and the vibe of the whole situation. Like I said, with the 12 bit soul, the instrumental by PNS, it just has a certain vibe to the whole thing. And I think with, with, with instrumental projects, if I listen to something by an, another artist, another producer making beats and it's instrumental project, it just, if he creates a certain vibe, I think that's the, the thing too, though, you know, besides mm. the beats, besides the beats, it, the artwork or, or, or the sound of the whole project or the approach of it, or if it has a theme and it, and it's well orchestrated, I think that even makes it even better. No, I hear you. I hear you. Are there going to be any reissues of these albums at, at some point? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. I want some for the, I want some for the collection. Definitely. I'm definitely getting into all that. <laughs> Good, good. Um, the importance of the internet, like I mentioned before, I, I found out about you guys through a, a forum. Um, some of my favorite acts from the early 2000s were from the internet. I found out through for- forums, so like Little Brother, um, Odyssey, Cunning Linguist, Kev Brown, all those. It's all just internet stuff. It opened up a whole new world to me. How important was the internet for moment in terms of spreading the word? Um, I think... Uh... I don't, I don't think it was much as important as the fact that, that just like any other artists that you mentioned, we just adapt to it, you know, and because when we came up, it was about the tapes and then it was about in the vinyl, you know, but as the years progressed and then the Internet started coming in, we had to adapt to uh, to digital down the digital streaming stuff and and then how to sell the vinyl differently through websites and, and, and stores, because um, once the Internet grew um, like, for, for example, here in the United States, there was a store called Sandbox Automatic. I, I bought a few bits from there. You know, you had a hip-hop site and you had underground, hop.com and uh, you had to adapt to be able to uh, reach out to them and, you know, things like that, you know. And then we had our website and we started selling through our website. So we had to just adapt and change the things as, as it is now. It's a yeah. different approach, you know. No, I got you. I, I, I do. Re- I remember in the um, Chicago City Limits Volume One, you shouted out all the stores. Yeah. In the, in the in the liner notes, I think it might have been Volume Two actually. And I thought that was I thought that was really dope because I remember buying from those stores at the time, yeah. and it just made that whole world feel so more intimate. Like, oh my god, like I've I bought stuff. I've bought stuff from there. You mentioned the the Moment website. Is Sonia still around? Um, no, not at the, not, no more. No. Okay. Yeah. Cause I remember she was, I th- she was admin or something on, on the forums on moment.com. And I, you know, I just always recall, oh, Sonia. So I thought, I thought that I would ask, um, yeah, would do, uh, she would do all the artwork and, uh, she, she did uh, the website and stuff like that. Uh, she was a big part as far as the, the designing of all the covers that you, you seen during that time. She did all those covers, the ritual, killing field, city limits one, two, and she was in charge of our website. At this moment, I have to, I, well, I do everything. I've, I've really always had a thing for you, your artwork. It was very simple, yeah. but always very, um, it had a certain grit to it. Like, I, you know, again, worst fears confirmed, just seeing Varkil just holding the, the, the bar. I'm just like, this just looks really cool. <laughs> yeah. I, can't ex- I can't explain why. It, it, I think what I like about your, I think I know what it is. They don't look like hip hop album covers. Yeah, yeah. There could be pieces of art you could hang on your wall. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like um, with like with me and Sonia, and I, and and I'm sure with the rest of the guys that we we do like art that has nothing to do with music. Like me and Sonia used to go to museums and stuff like that, and we we appreciate like the artists and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So 
so that I think that might have uh, influenced uh, when we were working on art and stuff like that. No, definitely, definitely. Back to Varkil though, like Varkil doesn't drop often. No, there's always like a a few year a few years of of, of um, break time. I was listening to Armor of God yesterday. By the way, I think one of your greatest beats ever. I came for you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that song with the video, want to see bodies flying like um, bodies flying like planes and boat crashes. Like that song is incredible. The live instrumentation as well. Yeah. Yeah, five mics. In terms of Varkil's working process, what's it like? Because I, I imagine he's not someone who just rushes through music. And just has song, 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 just to throw out. He's, he strikes me as someone who takes time yeah. with his craft. What's his working process like in the studio? And have you got any memories from any particular studio sessions? Well, um, he, he uh, you know, he's, he's a writer, so he really takes his time with that stuff. Um, if, if right now between Armor of God and God's Guns, if there's a delay on it, it's because, um, you know, I moved at, I moved from Chicago for about eight years and, uh, okay. and I'm back here now, but he, uh, me and him really work close with all the albums. You know, I, I, I was, a, I was a big part on all his albums. So when God's guns came, he was pretty much doing everything himself, you know? And me not being here that, that whole vibe, you know? So now that I'm here, we're kind of wrapping it up. And um, that's probably that's a big part of the delay and stuff like that, um, yeah. then, you know, COVID and stuff like that and personal stuff, you know, but um, his process, he, he does take his time with it. And I'm kind of like, all right, dude, let's go. You know, <laughs> the, the people are waiting, but um, I, I admire his process because he's very um, um, intricate with stuff, you know, and at yeah. the end of the day, the result speaks for itself. And I, and I like what he comes up with. Yeah. No, agreed. Agreed. Um, I, I don't mean to make you feel any. I'm not. No, I don't want to say. I don't. I don't want to make you feel bad. But it's. I realized yesterday. It's been nine years since Armor of God. I didn't realize. It. I was listening to it, and I was like, Oh, my, I actually remember waiting for this album. Yeah. And it's been. It's been nine years. Um, I heard a song with him in Twister. Yeah. I think it's called uh, Vest Check One Two. Yeah. yeah. Is that your work? Is that your production? No, that's a SC, which he's he's worked with Mob Deep and stuff like that. Um, okay, yes. He's from Chicago. He's from Chicago too. Oh, really? Because I remember he did some stuff on um, Mob Deep Free Agents album. Yeah, yeah. I know he's he's definitely worked with Mob Deep a few times. Okay, so when can we um, expect God's Guns? For sure, in the spring of two thousand and twenty-one. It's that's what I like to hear. Definitely done. That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. Uh, based on my uh, my research and just years of listening to Moment, I understand that Rhymefest, you have a history with Rhymefest. Yes. Juice. And it seems to me that even when you look at Rhymefest's commercial success, Moment seems to be a training ground where the MCs come and kind of ply their trade. How do you feel about that concept? Like, you know, seeing someone like a Rhymefest and a Juice, you know, seeing your camp as this basis of where they can sharpen their skills and, you know, kind of 
earn their props? Um, well, that's um, like with Rhymefest, he actually, him and Memo were part of a crew. They were a crew together. So um, that's how Memo, you know, became part of Moment too, because when Rhymefest, when I when I hooked up with Rhymefest, uh, Memo, you know, we were hooking up and we were all together and stuff like that. And, and that's why he became Moment. Um, but Rhymefest was Moment too. And before he, before any type of fame or anything like that, you know, we were together. So he, yeah, he, we definitely, he grew with us and, and we grew together, you know, as mm. a crew, as a crew and stuff like that. And it's funny because we stopped, we stopped really communicating for a long time, but um, probably the last year, year and a half, we've been communicating a lot more and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, okay. so maybe we'll, we'll, we'll be working on some stuff in the, in the near future and stuff like that. No, I, I hope so. I think he sounds he sounds really good over your tracks, and I think it's a nice contrast to what some other people may know him for. You know, the stuff he did with Kanye and whatnot. I just it's always interesting to me to hear the the origins of an artist's roots. I always think it's it's pretty cool to see where they're coming from. Talking about other artists and the Moment crew and their connections, what is going on, and where is Scheme, Astonish, and Decay? Are they well first and foremost? Well. Don't mean to change the subject, but I'll go back to that right now. But since you're talking about the roots and you did mention Vakio and Twister, um, Vakio and Twister, before any type of fame, they were a crew together. So they've been knowing each other for about 30 years and uh, they stopped talking for a long time. Hold that thought, Panic. I, you know what's funny? I wanted to ask, but I didn't want to pry. Um, and, you know, shame on me, because sometimes as a journalist, you've got to, you've got to ask the tough questions. But the flyer, that song yeah, is one of the most emotive. I put it on my Twitter the other day. It's one of the most emotive songs I've ever heard. Yeah. Like the way he told that story, he said, what, what did Vargas say? If it's beef and bad blood, put the cow on dialysis. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happened with those two? Well, like I said, they were part of a crew and, you know, they were really young. I mean, maybe early 20s so you know when you're that age you're just you know you're young and stuff like that and i don't know some miscommunication and they dissed each other and stuff like that and then then twister got signed and he he uh became tongue twister and then started dropping stuff like that then you know just things things went along but i think they at, at a certain point they start they they kept keeping communication with each other you know and uh hear music so good yeah um so yeah just uh they kept communicating with each other and stuff like that but but uh, but recently probably the last year or two um they uh they started really talking about you know working together and they're actually working on an album together Oof. So, yeah they're in the middle Yo. of the album yeah so wow yeah, there's definitely a twist and vacuum album coming Wow. Everything comes together, man, in circles in life and everything, you know. So, you know, they started together and, and they're they're coming back together. So yeah. Uh, are you um are you involved in any oh, way? Oh yeah, I'm definitely I'm definitely involved in it. Yeah. I literally just had chills because when I heard Vestcheck, I remember thinking, Oh my god, like Twister is still so sharp with the bars. And Varkil is even more, pun intended, twisted with his bars. I'm just like, where does this guy get his imagination from? It's abs- it's just nuts to me. It's otherworldly. So, no, I'm, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to that. But what's funny, 
we could get a Varkul and Twister album before we get a Juice and Varkul album. Yeah. Triangle Offense. Yeah. What happened? Well, speaking of Triangle Offense, there's a Triangle Offense song on the new Varkul album, so so that we got that too and and I don't want I don't want to say too many things, but there's a lot of other surprises in there too. Okay, listen. Pleasant surprises. I, I will PayPal you right now. <laughs> for for a for a link. I was listening to um sorry, you were going to say something. Um so yeah, but, I mean uh, like, I won't I won't say too many things else about the Vakio album, but the, but Nats is definitely on that on that album a lot as well. Oh, oh. Hold on, not N O T T Z. Yes, Nats. Yeah, he's he's on a few. He's on a few in there, for sure too. How many songs on this album? Oh man, like that. I'm trying to remember right now, but I, but I would say somewhere in the ten, twelve range. Okay. Yeah. Funny, I was speaking to Jake One. Yeah. Last week. Um. It's, it's always been really interesting to me. I like the way you guys started branching out in the last decade and getting other people to yes. come in and compliment the sound. So last time you had Jake one and this time you've got knots. Okay. I see. I see. I see what's going on here. Yeah. That's definitely Vakil. He definitely uh, was interested in working with him. I mean, obviously it's not, it's, 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 it's a great idea, you know? But yeah. yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. I was listening to Psalm one. Yes. I love her song queen until it was my, it was my introduction to her and seeing that it was produced by Panic, I said, okay, need to hear this. She said a line on there. She said it took eight years to link with Panic. <laughs> yeah. What does that mean and why did it take so long? Well, maybe like around the time around the ritual, stuff like that, um, she was a free agent as an artist. Okay. And she uh, she eventually signed to Rhyme Sayers, uh, but we were interested in signing her and uh, that's maybe what she's talking about. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Great song though. Yeah. See, in the moment we got a lot of things in the in history, like in the Chicago music history, like uh, interesting things that maybe one day we'll make a documentary or something or write a book. You should. But there's a you lot should. of roots. There's a lot, definitely a lot of deep roots in the Chicago scene with with us. You know. Yeah. No, I, I can tell. I can tell. But talking about the Chicago scene, it leads into my next question beautifully. Drill seems to have become. You know, one of uh, Chicago's biggest cultural exports. Yeah. In the last few years, it's taken over. You know, we got drill in London. It's yeah, everywhere. I've seen drill. drill. Yeah. Yeah, and drill in Australia. Um, what are your thoughts on drill? Like, you know, do you do you like it at all, or you know, who are your favorite artists? Well, I I'm not gonna lie. I don't know a lot about drill, but I do like uh, Dirk. I do like uh, uh, what's his name? Three Hundred Sosa. Uh, Chief Keith. Um, ah, there's a there's a few other guys, and there, there's a lot of people that I do like from that scene and stuff like that. Uh, Count uh, from uh, what was his name of his crew, but there's a lot of people. But yeah, I, the thing about me is it's not just with music, with everything in life. Everything's everything, you know. So what I mean by that is that there's always a connection to something with with things. So with, with drill. It's, it's music. And if you listen to it, if you listen to one song, you like it, then it's, it is what it is. You know, if you don't, you yeah. know, it's the same thing with trap or house music or rock. So whatever, you know, I, I really don't, I really don't keep myself uh, in a cage or in a box mentally. I, I like to listen to everything. And if I like it, I like it, you know? 
yeah. yeah, no, that's it's a good way to so it's a it's a good way to be. Like, I'm similar to you. I don't know all the names and you know the songs, but I think in the last few years, um, I've become increasingly open to it. Like, I love Pop Smoke. Yeah, and I remember hearing that song and thinking to myself, "Why do I like this song?" Like, I couldn't work it out. There was just something about it, and I realized I liked it because it had that Fifty Cent energy ah. to it. Yeah. You know, the similarities in the voice and the approach, and that's why I liked it. So, um, no, I just wanted to wanted to pick your brain on it. Before we wrap up, though, um, yeah, Scheme, Astonish, Decay. How are they, first of all? They're great. They're all great. Um, Astonish, he's he's uh, he's still working on music, and uh, I'm sure there's some more coming out soon. Uh, we are no longer, he's no longer a moment artist, but he's definitely working on music. We're cool. We're, we're still, we're still family and stuff like that. Uh, Scheme, he's, um, he started his own, um, uh, I think it's like a management label kind of company. It's called Loop Theory. And he has, uh, he has some good artists on there. Uh, Dre's and, uh, Brittany Carter and, uh, R&B artists and stuff like that. So he's, he's definitely working on his, uh, 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 in the back, in the background scenes like that, he still raps too though. So good, but yeah, um, Decay. He's he recently dropped a project and he and he's continuously dropping projects. Um, okay, I think he started he started his label too like that as well. All right, okay, I'm gonna have to check. Um, Unlikely Hero again. I just bought it because it was moment, but Get Loose. My yeah. word, like that song right there. I was running to that album this week actually, and um, I put in about seven k. To the unlikely hero. Um, I love I love that project. Before we wrap up, though, what can we expect from yourself and from Moment? I know you've mentioned God's Guns is coming. What can we expect outside of that? Well, this year, um, I think it's the most active I've been in a long time. I dropped a Cap D. I dropped an instrumental project. Um, and I'm dropping in like two weeks a Jamal Science and, and Panic album, which I think you'll like that a lot. Um, okay, I, I, mean, I forgot. Really, I, I forgot. Yeah, simply amazing. The EP. Yes. Yeah, this one's um called. What's it called? Oh my god, I, I I'm embarrassed because I don't remember the title. <laughs> uh, but uh, better now than never, or something like that. Something like that. But um, yeah, it's it's coming uh, November thirtieth. Okay. Uh, yeah, for next year we got Vakil's album, and uh, I'm sure I'll drop some instrumental projects. And uh, I got some. I got some albums working with some some artists that are not known, but they're definitely on the come up in the scene, like Johnny Guns and uh, Dosage and uh, AM, Early Morning. And uh, um, I still want to work more with Vic Spencer. I'm a lot. He's amazing. He's amazing. He's a, the thing I like about the guys that I just mentioned is they're really dope artists. But another thing about them is they work very hard on their, on their craft and their 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 level of consistency will not deny them from getting known, you know, because they're they're definitely going to get known because they work hard and they're dope. Yeah. Know? No, Vic Spencer's. Put, I think he just put out an album today. Yeah, he did. He did. He's just constantly dropping albums, and and I mean, and he's dope. So I mean, it's, there's no way that he's not going to get any more known. He's going to keep growing, you know, and his no. fan base and all that. Yeah, definitely. Panic. I just want to say thank you so much for your time um on breaking atoms we're really big on giving people their flowers and um mole men in general have been so integral to my i call it my second love affair 
with hip hop music. I first heard hip hop in like 92, 93. Um, I listened to all the all the usual stuff, got into Criss Cross, then it was Wu-Tang, Mob Deep, Big E, Snoop, all that stuff. But in the early 2000s, I discovered the underground. I had my own money. I could start buying my own albums. Mole Men are such an important part of that journey. And I feel like I'm part of the moment too. So I just want to say thank you so much. And um, these are, these are flowers from, from London, UK to Chicago. <laughs> Thanks man. I appreciate it, man. All I right, man. Thank it. you for your time. All right, man. You take care, man. Respect to Panic for coming through on the podcast and for sharing some very important history with us. You can support Panic and the Mole Men movement by going to his website. That's www.paniconthebeat.com. And in typical hip-hop fashion, Panic is spelled incorrectly. It's P-A-N-I-K. So the website is panicondebeat.com. Head over there, support the Mole Men movement. They've got some crazy merchandise on there. And I can personally say that the delivery times and the customer service is on point. As always, you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Break the Atoms. Please reach out. We'd love to hear from you, share your thoughts, your feedback. If you've got episode ideas, we're here for all of that. And as always, your support is appreciated. We'll be back with another episode next week. And until then, peace.